All right, well, let's get started. Uh, we're going to start tonight with a reading from Psalm 18, starting in verse 1. Psalmist says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield in the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shale entangle me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Let's pray. Lord God, tonight as we prepare to look at the spiritual discipline of prayer, may we remember that you are a God that hears the cry of your people. You are a God that inclines himself to us. Ultimately, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in believers, through the majesty of your creation in all things, you are present with us. But not only that, Lord, you hear us. You hear our prayers. You hear our petitions. And so may we strive in all that we do to speak to you, to praise you, and to pray to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm reminded oftentimes how, you know, when we approach the Psalms, of course we all, you know, we know that they are songs, right? They're the, the song book of Israel, the song book of the early church, and through actually most of the history um, of Christianity, the Psalms were the primary source of congregational singing, uh, but also individual song and, and, and worship uh, through, through music. But a lot of times we, we forget that this kind of sharp division between music or, you know, specifically worship, you know, worship through music, and prayer, we often create kind of this false line, this false wall between the two, when in reality, in the Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Psalms particularly, these two things are one and the same, oftentimes. Our songs are our prayers, and our prayers are our songs, right? And so I was reading uh, the other day Psalm 18 and, and thought about this within the context of our discussion uh, on prayer. As we, as we talk about prayer, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that we need to think about is 
again, kind of navigating, navigating these two, navigating these two ditches, right? Navigating the ditches, the, the, the ditches of kind of extremes that we may stumble into because of our own personality or our own proclivities or the extremes that we kind of stumble into maybe because of a church tradition that we grew up in. But oftentimes when, when we think about prayer, we, we, we navigate in between the extreme of, you know, genuine Christian prayer can only be extemporaneous, right? It can only be just kind of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling at that particular moment. It has to be my words and just kind of off the top of my head for it to be genuine and, you know, or spirit-filled, maybe the, the term you've heard before. And then on the other ditch, some will say that, well, no, Christian prayer must be uh, regimented and ordered, right? It has to come from a prayer book or it has to come from, uh, from the Psalms even. You know, it, it, it has to be uh, very specific words at very specific times, at very specific times of the year. And what I want us to see as we go through today and probably next week as we look at, continue to look at prayer, the answer to that is yes, right? The, the answer is both yes, prayer is extemporaneous because we should pray without ceasing, right? We pray in all things and in all situations. But at the same time, recognizing that prayer should be ordered, right? We read the text last week as Jesus opens the Lord's Prayer. He says, don't pray like this, pray like this, right? So there is, there is an order to prayer, right? There is a discipline to prayer, which is why we're talking about it. Um, so it's, it, but it's, it's easy to kind of slip into, into one of those two, kind of one of those two ditches. So what's, let me start us off tonight with this question. What is something that you've always wanted to learn, like always wanted to know how to do, like maybe, maybe a hobby or a skill or something like that, but you've just, you just have never found the time or you've never had enough of a desire to really sit down and learn. Does that make sense? So what, what's something you've always wanted to know how to do, but you've never really learned how to do it? I mean, John, you've been alive like forever, so you probably know how to do everything, right? <laughs> I sit here and I play the piano for a second. Sure, okay. yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, would I like to be able to play the piano well enough to use it for singing in mm -hmm. groups and just around the house or yeah. whatever? It's like, yeah, I like that, but it's not important enough to Sure. To, to take the time and effort to learn. Because you know it's going to take time and effort and, yeah. yeah. And Mm -hmm. And so one of them was, was my high school Sunday school teacher. Yeah. And one was my first couple of years of college Sunday school teacher. Um, and, you know, part of that is you're coming into adulthood and you got having two men that know God's work extremely well, mm -hmm. excellent teachers, and, you know, right place, right time. And I had that, uh, especially with my high school teacher. I also worked for a part time. Yeah. So there was Especially my high school teacher, you know, I mean, things like if you don't make the effort 
not important enough for you to make that effort. Sure. Then, then you don't do it. Yeah. And, and this is a guy that, you know, owned a construction business, but was in God's Word two, three, four hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know, he sched, because he was yeah. self-employed, he could schedule his time, and it cost him financially. Sure. Well, and... That's right, and, and that's an important thing to, to, to see is that learning how to do something, right, or, or being disciplined really in anything, not only does it mean saying yes to the time it takes to do that thing, whatever it may be, but it also is the ability to say no to other things, yeah. even good things. And so, but, but exactly what he did, yeah. kind of example for me too, yeah. you know, he chose to make less money Sure, he chose to make it a priority. To be in God's word. Mm. But he was also one of these extremely good teachers. Right. And, and he taught us. And, you know, the sacrifice of dollars here mm -hmm. was teaching benefit yeah. to me and a bunch of my friends. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So. Angela, what about you? Do you have something you've always wanted to learn how to do, but haven't yet that's my thought immediately like an instrument yeah music yeah that's that's a lot a lot of people mm-hmm because because like i said again just like anything else it's a discipline you you have to be able you not only do you have to be willing to say yes to the time it takes to practice the money it may take for lessons or for the instrument itself but it also means having to say no to other things to give it the time like sleep or you know <laughs> something like that yeah exactly i know i've i've been kind of i mean similarly with with the instrument i uh my I've, I've always wanted to learn a instrument like rebecca's rebecca's very musical and uh, she grew up singing and and uh and playing piano and uh, that's like a whole world i don't know anything about and so i've always thought about trying to learn in fact my first church at a seminary uh, I got there and I made the um, music team angry at me and they, they left after like the eighth week that I was pastor there. And so I didn't have a music team. And so I was like, well, fine, I'm just going to go buy a guitar and I'm just going to learn how to do it myself. And that was silly. And so, you know, I didn't even get that off the ground. We ended up using recorded uh, music on my laptop. It was a little bitty church out in the swamp. But but anyway, but it's just, yeah, a music instrument, something I've always wanted to learn, uh, or like a language, you know, I mean, I've had to do, you know, Greek and Hebrew for school, but, you know, maybe like a conversational language or something like that. But yeah, but it is, it's just, so you have to ask yourself, okay, well, what are you, you know, what are you willing to give up? What are, because not many of us, some people do, I guess, theoretically, not many of us just have these chunks of time in the day that we don't already have kind of labeled with something you know most 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 people um you know you have to you have to learn how to say no to something to be able to pick up something new pick up something else so when as we think about this and maybe kind of apply this to prayer one of the things that's you know when, when we finished last time we were kind of looking at all the different reasons or not all of them but a lot of different reasons why people have trouble being disciplined to pray, you know, why, why they have a difficult time with it. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, just like doubting anything would happen, maybe lacking the, the nearness of God. 
having kind of little awareness of the need to pray, um, you know, these sorts of things. But one of the big things that I have found is for a lot of people that I've pastored, one of the, one of the key issues is this, is literally just not knowing how to do it, right? So one of the, one of the and this sounds weird, this sounds a little bit like, you know, like two plus two equals a basket of oranges, but one of the biggest challenges of prayer for many people is just, they're, they just, they just don't know what to do, and so they don't do it. And it seems unchristian to say, even to yourself, well, I don't know how to pray, or to go to your pastor and say, can you teach me how to pray? You know, or, or at least how to make a discipline out of it, you know, these sorts of things. So what I want to get at here is, is, is establish this idea that prayer is learned, right? It's a learned discipline, like picking up an instrument, right? Or building the discipline into your day to read your Bible, or learning a new language, or learning how to train a dog. That's, that's kind of the thing I'm learned, trying to learn how to do right now. Not going super well, but some parts it is and some parts it isn't. You know, these, these sorts of things, right? Prayer is learned, and that's okay, right? That, that doesn't make you unspiritual. That makes you a human, <laughs> right? It is. It's, it's, now, it's, it's something that, that can be done naturally, but again, we're talking about the, the, the discipline of prayer, building it into our lives, what to say, when, when to pray, these sorts of things. It, it is something that we often learn, right? So that's the first thing I want to talk about tonight is what are some ways in which we can learn how to pray, right? If, if we're going to assume here that prayer is something that can be learned and that should be learned, right? How do we learn how to pray? Well, what do you I think, would, John? I would throw Pastor Hanson under the bus a little bit. Definitely. Why not? He's not here to Sure, he's not here to defend himself. Go right ahead. Well, you know, when he first came to Manuel, his, his thing was, uh, he had two big challenges mm-hmm. for the church congregation as a whole. Yeah. Right. Love God. Love, love your neighbor. neighbor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it says, of course, number one, really make that priority of reading your Bible every day. Yeah. So that discipline. Well, of course, getting to know God better is part of your effort to love God. Yeah. Better. Exactly. And so uh, reading His Word, studying His Word, that is about making that. Mm-hmm. And then praying for three people. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's practicing loving that other person. Exactly. And so, and of course, as, as Anthony shared, you know, if you're praying for somebody every single day, right. it's going to change who you are to them. Right, it is. How you Yeah. And so 
you know, it's like, well, that's going to give you the, uh, instead of a sprint, it's the sprint or marathon. marathon. Yeah. Couldn't think of the word. You know, praying for others is not sprinting marathon. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and having the discipline of prayer is not sprinting marathon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, is probably the best place to start to have to achieve the marathon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, and and I think I think that segues into kind of our our first strategy for learning how to pray is one really the the at the end of the day the best way to learn how to pray is to pray, yeah. right? You know whether you're praying whether you're praying evangelistically, uh, whether you're praying for um, your own sanctification, your own discipleship. Uh, whether you're praying with others, you know, in an, in an accountability group, whatever that looks like, at the end of the day, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray, right? So again, same thing, the best way to learn how to play guitar is to pick up a guitar and start strumming. Yeah. It's going to be painful and awkward, and it's going to sound weird a little bit, but it's like prayer sometimes, <laughs> you know, but it's to do it, right? I, I have a, uh, you're, you know, I'm in the middle, well, hopefully at the end, at the end-ish of a dissertation writing, and I, I follow a couple people on social media that are writers, and they give little pro tips on writing and these sorts of things, and one of the things these guys say all the time is, is the best way to get into a habit of writing is just to write. Yeah. Like, don't overthink it. Don't, don't try to edit as you write. Don't, you know, just sit down and write, you know, and so that's one of the things I think about prayer. One of the things that, the, one of the reasons why it seems difficult, if you go through seasons of your life where it seems like it's difficult or awkward or um, maybe fruitless uh, uh, that your prayers may be, it may be just, it may just, again, you're rusty, right? You haven't primed the pump, if, if, if you will. You know, you're, you're just, you haven't been praying enough. And so it takes, it takes time. It takes time to build uh, that discipline up. And, and like you were saying, John, praying in for a variety of circumstances, right? In a variety of situations. So if the only time somebody prays is when they want something, right? When they need something, even if it's a legitimate need, I don't, I didn't mean that to sound like selfish, but, uh, if, if somebody's the only time they pray is, is when they have a particular need, or if the only time somebody prays is publicly and they never pray privately, or the only time they pray is privately and they never pray publicly or they never pray in a group or whatever it may be these these kind of kind of pigeonholing yourself into certain situations again kind of stymies that ability to um you know learning how to pray through more prayer right and so this is where i definitely think sometimes people can go overboard with this and, and turn it into kind of a an extra law but I think one of the one of the blessings that a a regular doesn't have to necessarily be every day, but a regularly scheduled time of devotional prayer, just part of your regular weekly habits and routines, it helps you with this. It helps make sure that you have built into your life, you have built into your calendar uh, prayer, right? Because I, you may or may not know this, but one of the, every calendar 
is religious, right? Everyone, every, every calendar you've ever looked at is a religious calendar, right? It's the, the, way, the way months are ordered, the way holidays are arranged, the, even your work calendar, you know, shows you what you prioritize and what you worship, you know, these sorts of things. The foot, if, if the football schedule is on your calendar, that may indicate, you know, a, a worship problem, these sorts of things, you know. And so scheduling, scheduling time to pray may for some sound, you know, again, like, oh, you've got to schedule time to pray to God, you know. That's, yes, because again, I'm human. That's how humans work. You know, there's a reason, there's a reason, you ever thought about this, like Genesis 1 and 2? What, is, what does God do? God brings order to time and space, right? That's that when we are made in his image, that's one of the things that that means, right? That, that we naturally, we instinctively, without even thinking about it, and this is Christian and non-Christian, this is all humans, we naturally bring order to time and space, even if it's just our personal time and our personal space, Right? What's one of the, you know, one of the hardest things about having a roommate is now you've got to share or being married sometimes, you know, is now you have to share two persons attempt to order time and space within the same, you know, thing. And so we, we naturally schedule, there's nothing unholy or unchristian about that. We naturally schedule things. We naturally order our time around the things that are important. I remember saying, telling somebody one time, um, this was back home when we were, we were able to have a little more consistent schedule in our week. And, and, you know, Rebecca and I typically would do a date night at least every other week, like every other Friday, we would schedule it. Like it was like, it was on the calendar and somebody kind of like half jokingly said, Oh, you have to schedule your date nights. You must be like an old married couple. Like, no, that's just, I, that's, that's, I mean, you order your life around the things that are important, what you value. Right. And so, <clears throat> Never be afraid, never be afraid to order your life around prayer, I guess would be a way to put it. That makes sense? All right, so learning, best, one of the best ways to learn how to pray is to pray, right? So second, another way to learn how to pray is meditating On scripture. And so again, by meditating, we're not talking about kind of Eastern meditation where one is emptied of yourself and you just embrace the void. <laughs> you know, we're talking about Christian meditation. We're talking about uh, being filled with the word, being filled with Christ's righteousness, right? Uh, in our book, Don Whitney says that meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer, right? So one way to think about this is, right, you have you here in the middle, our Bible intake goes in through meditation comes out prayer, right? Meditation is the link between our Bible intake and our prayer life, right? It's what enables us 
to form the substance of our prayers, right? So we're going to talk a lot more about this next week when we talk about praying scripture, praying the Bible, right? And a strategy for that. But just kind of as an introductory point, this is one of, one of the challenges. Again, a lot of people I've pastored, one of the challenges they have is they just, they don't know what to say. The only prayers maybe they heard were kind of the, maybe the Lord's Prayer, which obviously is great, or maybe just like dinner table prayers or stuff they've seen on TV. But if we're talking like daily, you know, or regular, or regular discipline of prayer, eventually you kind of run out of stuff to say, you know, what, whatever the problem is that day, maybe like, what, what is it that I say? What makes, what makes a proper prayer versus an improper prayer? Like we see Jesus introducing in the Lord's prayer. And one of the things that I like to point people to is this idea here that why, when we're talking to God, right, why not let his own words form the substance of our prayers, right? So in other words, what I mean by that is why, why can't the Bible, why can't scripture mold and shape the substance of our prayers. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean our prayers have to be just a straight reading out of the Bible. They can, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But if, if we're at a loss for words, if we don't know what to say, right? If that's the big stumbling block, why not allow Scripture to shape and mold and conform our language, right, to God's own language, right? like if I'm trying to have a conversation with, with Rebecca and our, I start speaking in German, right, we, we, we have a communication breakdown. Now, obviously, you know, God's not going to have a communication breakdown with you. He's infinite. <laughs> but you get the point, right? That if, if we're looking for the right words, quote unquote, right? If we're looking for our words to be formed uh, so that we may be disciplined as well, then the scripture meditation is one of the best ways to form the substance of our prayers, right? Let's look at a couple texts here, both in the book of Psalms, so we can flip there relatively easy. We look at Psalm uh, 5. Psalm 5, verse. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1 and through 3. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I, prayer, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. I mean, that's, that's a prayer. That's a prayer that all of us at some point probably have prayed something like that. Right? The prayer, these prayers of Scripture help form and mold our own words. Psalm 19, if we look at Psalm 19, verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So after the input of a passage of Scripture, Meditating on it allows us to take what God has said to us, think deeply on it, digest it, and then speak to God about it in meaningful prayer. Right? 
So that's the idea, is that through Scripture, through meditating on Scripture, really thinking about it, chewing on it, we're able to take that, whatever God has to say to us through His Word, and allow that to be the substance of our prayers. Because frankly, guys, sometimes we need to pray for things we don't even realize are a problem, right? And that's one of the things, one of the benefits of linking our Bible intake and our prayer life is that if, we, if, if, if our prayer is completely untethered from the Bible, right, then what, what, what can potentially happen, right? If, if our prayer life is not informed and not supported by Scripture, What's, what can happen over time? What do you think? Yeah. Very, um, um, I'm not thinking the right word to use. But anyway, um, so instead of being um, God-based in your prayer, right. mm-hmm. God's way, God's will, God's righteousness, right. directed prayer, it's culturally yeah. Right. 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 Well, exactly right. Well, what what happens is is if you don't have scripture as a corrective, right? Yeah. The 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 natural kind of drifting yeah. of the human heart is going to lead it astray, and that will affect your prayer life, right? And so whether that's influence from the culture, uh, your own sin. Right? So John Calvin called the human heart a, a factory of idols, right? Like our hearts just churning them out, you know, little, little objects of worship, right? And so whether it's our own sin, whether it's exposed, whether it's the culture, or quite frankly, even whether it's, it's, it's influence of the shadow, influence of the demonic, right? Whatever it may be that's, that's pulling and drifting us away without the, the rock and the foundation you know, of, because, because I can't tell you now, this is an extreme example. So I'm going to, I'll say that up front. This is not like normal. Okay. But I think this does highlight what happens when, when prayer just kind of is an island and just exists by itself. And is just this kind of, you know, can, you know, extempor when it's always this just kind of extemporaneous, you know, regurgitation of emotion towards God, you know, that's, but, but I I can't tell you how many times I've had a very well-meaning, you know, person who, um, you know, has a, has a, a sincere love for Jesus, but they'll come to me and they'll say things like, well, pastor, I've been praying and I really think the Lord wants me to do X, whatever that may be. And I can pick up God's word and I can show them about 20 different ways where God has said specifically, don't do that thing. (laughs) 
Does that make sense? Like, this is not like a shadowy gray area of ambiguity. This is like, thou shalt not. It says it right here in like 12 other places, you know. And, and so what, what prayer can become, what can become if untethered from the corrective of the word is, you know, basically, you know, best case scenario, some kind of self-therapy some kind of self-therapeutic sort of, you know, just kind of talking to yourself sort of stuff. Uh, at worst, it can be a means of justifying sin, um, you know, which, which I've seen regrettably uh, way, way too often. So our prayer life has to be tethered to something, right? It, it has to be, um, again, ordered by something. And I think the pattern in Scripture um, is that it be tethered to scripture, right? It's tethered to our study and meditation on scripture. And again, we see this, you know, I mean, really we could teach this whole class around the Psalms. This is one of the reasons uh, uh, not only does Don Whitney's book quote the Psalms so much, but even, even in, in my own extra stuff, according to the Psalms so much, because it, this is the pattern that we see in Psalms, right? Because even as, even as the psalmists, even though it's in the Bible itself, even as the psalmists cry out to God, right? They, they, they cry out in their distress. They cry out in their, um, uh, in their turmoil. They cry out because they're surrounded by enemies. You know, all the, they, they cry out because of their sorrow and grief. Uh, like when David loses his, one of his children, when David's confronted with his own sin in Psalm 52, um, all these various situations, the psalmists always will eventually get to, but, right? But God, but you have promised X, Y, Z. How do we know that, that God's promised that? Because he said so to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, right? He said to David himself earlier, right? Even, even within scripture, the pattern is prayers and songs that prayers point back to God's own word. Right? Prayers are always tethered by God's word. So meditating on scripture is another way that we can learn how to pray. It's, it's what oftentimes should, if not give us the direct words for prayer, can teach us how to pray, can give us the substance, uh, um, the principles, maybe at least of our prayer, these sorts of things. So, all right, another one. one another way we can learn how to pray is by praying with others. Praying particular, and uh, it probably goes without saying, but other believers, right? I mean, I feel like it's probably self-explanatory, but you know, right? But no, but praying with others, right? Let's look at uh, Luke's gospel. We look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now Jesus, and this is Luke's introduction to the Lord's Prayer. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught, John the Baptist, as John taught his disciples. 
right? So, yes, we learn how to pray through praying. Yes, we learn how to pray through meditating scripture, but we also learn how to pray praying with others. And by that, we mean, of course, literally praying with others, but also, learn, you know, sitting in a class like you're doing right now, right? Learning how to do spiritual disciplines, learning how to pray. No, it's fine. When they went to Jesus, they say, John taught his disciples. Yeah. Do they have example of, yeah. Of the public show prayer. Right. That, that righteous prayer mm-hmm. was yeah, I, gone. I think, I, think, I, think there's, I think there's definitely textual indication that that was certainly a problem. Like, I, I think the only examples that you have of, because so what part of this is, because of, the, because of the, the nature of kind of, you know, Second Temple Judaism models of discipleship, um, it, it almost completely revolved around memorization of, the, of Torah, yeah. right? And, and, and even memoriz- memorization of the Psalms as well, but particularly memorizations of Torah, uh, you know, first five books of the Bible, books of Moses. And so, and so it, is, it is probable, if not likely, that your, your typical kind of uh, temple or synagogue instruction. Mostly it would have been synagogue instruction because you gotta remember, like, you know, um, the synagogue at that point was, it was a relatively new phenomenon, right, in Jewish life. Most, most worship was, was at home, yeah. right? And so you learned how to pray really from your dad, right. you know, and he learned it from his dad, and he learned it from his dad. Because the only kind of worship you did outside of the home was your annual trip to the temple to sacrifice. Synagogues come along in, during kind of the intertestamental period um, where they were obviously more local, but they're not really church in the way that we think about them. They're, they're, they're a place of, of learning the Bible and they're kind of a place for prayer they're also a place uh, for, they're, they're, they're more like, imagine like church, like the way we do church if it was just Sunday school. Like if it's like just Sunday school and Bible studies, and that's all we did. That's, I mean, that's, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a gross analogy, but it's, it's an analogy, you know. And so, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I think the reason it was such a big deal that, because, that, you know, by this point, several of Jesus' disciples were disciples of John the Baptist. And so he taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray because both John the Baptist and Jesus are, setting, are teaching disciples, right, outside of the typical system, right. if you will, of the day, right? And so, so, yeah, so that's part of it too. Now, I, I don't want to say that, you know, there was no instruction on prayer and there was, you know, no prayer, you know, outside of those, those that, you know, followed Jesus during his incarnation. But, but yeah, I, I, I think the... I think the weight, the produ- especially from what we see from the critiques 
that Jesus gives the Pharisees, Jesus gives the temple authorities, is, is a lot of the accusations are empty words, empty religion, empty, you know, um, all these kind of, uh, just kind of going through the motions, you know. And even going back to, again, Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel and Jesus' introduction uh, to the Lord's Prayer, when he says, pray like this, don't pray like this, you know, not only is he talking about don't pray like the Pharisees, but also don't pray like the Gentiles, right? So where the, the ditch that we, again, the ditch we want to avoid at the same time, though, is to say, and I know this is not what you're saying, but I'm saying it for the sake of the recording, right? The, the, the ditch we want to fall into is, is really the problem wasn't like the memorized prayers, the problem wasn't even the, lit the liturgy and the scripted prayers and those sorts of things. The problem was the, the teachings that said, if you, if you pray these prayers, right, if, if you say these magic words, you know, God owes you a relationship. Does that make sense? Like that, so that's, that's, that's where we're, so sometimes we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and we say, well, we, we don't want these you know, it's, I'm a, again, I'm going to step on a soapbox here for a minute, but one of, one, of, one, of my most, one of the most cringy phrases for me out there is when people say, um, you know, it's, it's, not about, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, you know, with Jesus. Like, no, that's, a religion is a relationship. <laughs> you're missing the point, you know, like you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, you don't want empty practices for a God you don't worship. But if you're worshiping God, if you're worshiping Christ, then yes, of course, you're going to order your life around him in particular ways, like corporate worship. And the Bible tells us to do a corporate worship in a particular way, right? And so these sorts of things. So it's both and, right? And so the same thing with, with this. Is, but, but yeah, I, I think you're right in that I think a lot of what, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, when John the Baptist was teaching his disciples to pray, they're both trying to kind of reroute the disciples into, into genuine patterns of prayer. They're not trying to throw off patterns of prayer, but having genuine patterns of prayer. Does that make sense? Right, exactly. The right way, exactly right, exactly. And I think that's what—that's exactly what's going on here in Luke 11, right? So we know that this is not right. We need a model, and I need a model. You need a model, right? And and I would challenge you, right? Think of someone in your life, currently, not just in the past, right? But someone in your life that that hopefully you can pray with. But if not, at least you can—you have the ability to 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 hear their prayers, to, to learn from them in praying. Preferably, it's a real physical live person within your local church <laughs> that, you can, that, that, that you, can, you can pray with. You know? I'll say this because he's not down here and he probably won't hear the recording. And it's I, I, you know, and he probably, you know, uh, I, I doubt he has an ego problem, but I love hearing RO pray. I mean, you know, I just, I just do. I, feel, I encouraged the intimacy. You know, this is, this is a man that has been praying longer than 
I've been alive, my parents have been alive. <laughs> you know, and I just, it's just, you know, find those models of prayer. You know, we, we, we can't always rest on, well, I had this pastor a long time ago that I really appreciated. Yes, that's good. But, but right here, right now in the church that you're a part of, you know, find those models of prayer and pray with them. You know, pull them aside on a Sunday morning. Say, hey, can, can you just, can you pray for me? I, I, I'll just, I just want to hear you pray. <laughs> you know, I just, I need a model of prayer. Or listen as they pray uh, in, you know, in corporate worship. You know, there's a reason, it's not just for, for vanity, that John and the other deacons get up at the end of service to close out the service. It's, it's so that we as a congregation can hear models of prayer, these sorts of things. I don't know if y'all think about it that way, but that's, that's what it is, you know. It's, it's, it's a model of prayer. And so we, 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 we need those in our lives, and I think we need to be purposeful uh, about them. And it doesn't always have to be the pastor, as, as a former pastor, I would not want all that responsibility <laughs> on, on me, for sure, right? So, but, 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 but find a model for prayer and pray with them. Pray with, pray with your fellow believer, uh, pray with your fellow believers, particularly, not exclusively, but particularly those who are part of the same church as you. And be mindful of picking up both good and bad prayer habits, right? Both of those things exist. Right? If we look at, um, you know, we learn as much through other people's foolishness, hopefully, uh, as we do through um, the good things. So Matthew 6, uh, verse 7, again, we've, I've, we've talked about this a lot. Again, this is back in Matthew's introduction to the Lord's Prayer. But verse 7 says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Learn both positive, positively uh, and negatively. And again, we're looking for principles of prayer. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not like the, um, my kids had a couple toys growing up that if you pressed its belly or something, it would record the next like 10, 15 seconds, uh, you know, and then spit it back like a parrot or something. Spit it, you know, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying just parrot other people, but, but learn from them. Learn principles um, more so than phrases um, of prayer. All right, so one more thing before we uh, finish for the evening. Another way that we can learn how to pray is through reading about prayer, which sounds weird, I know, but reading about prayer. So if we look at Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We can read, and we should read, books by wise men and women of prayer to give us the privilege of walking with them and learning the insights God gave them on how to pray. Right? How, taking taking uh, advantage of these resources, of books of prayer 
like so prayer books, books that have lists of prayers in them, right? Or books about prayer. So a couple recommendations for you. So one of one of my big ones, and this is a, a great book you can find pretty cheap on Amazon. Um, you can get it very cheap uh, paperback, or you can get like the nice kind of leathery, you know, leather bound edition. But it's a little book uh, called Valley of Vision. Y'all ever heard of that? No. So this is a book of prayers. It's not really about prayer, but it's a book of prayers. It's not by a particular person. It's a, basically a collection of uh, it's a collection of Puritan prayers. So they range from um, you know the late 1500s to the mid 1700s. But the, the if you get a newer you know obviously if you get a, an updated edition the the language is updated and there's not a you know. There's not a lot of archaic King James English, so you, you, can, you can read it. It's, it's very readable. But there's uh, uh, Banner of Truth publishes uh, kind of a leather-bound version, but you can get a, a paperback copy. But it's just a Valley Vision, a collection of Puritan prayers. The uh, subtitle is a collection of Puritan prayers. And devotionals. This has been one of this is this has been one of the, the great books in, in my own prayer life that has helped me. Again, this is kind of learning from the prayers of others. These are long folks that are long dead, <laughs> but but this is from a from a theological tradition that is kind of steeped in the majesty and the glory of God, steeped in the scriptures, well founded and, and well formed. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend that to you. There's another book that I, I recommend. This one's really great. Uh, this is a book about prayer, but, but prayer is in the Bible. Uh, it's called A Call to Spiritual Reformation. And it's um, Priorities. The subtitle is Priorities um, from Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his prayers. And this is written by D.A. Carson, very famous New Testament scholar. And basically what Dr. Carson does is he goes through all of Paul's prayers in Acts and particularly in his letters and the epistles and has a, basically a little devotional and uh, explanation of each of Paul's prayers. And so this is a great resource because not only are you learning um, about prayer, you're learning to how to pray, learning from prayers in Scripture, particularly Paul's prayers. And then I meant to bring this last one. I meant to bring this one tonight. It, well, actually, I think I did bring it now that I... Nope, I didn't. I think I took it out of my bag to read the other day and I forgot to put it back in. Um, another one. This is similar, more similar to a Valley, Valley of Vision. It's a prayer book. 
uh, it's called be, be Thou My Vision, like the hymn. It's called Be Thou My Vision, a liturgy for daily worship. So this is a tremendous resource if two things are true of you. If, and, and I find myself in both of these categories. And so that's why this is, this is, this is what I'm using now and uh, as my primary uh, kind of prayer aid. But if, if you are the type of person who needs to be forced to slow down, right, and read your Bible and pray, this, this gives you a, I'm, I'm going to bring the book to uh, next week so you can kind of look at it, see what I mean. But this gives you a, a me, it, it helps give you the means by which to, to, if you do everything that's in each day, the a means to, to force you to slow down and really kind of absorb scripture and really think about it and really pray through um, a, a variety of different kinds of prayer. And then also, if like me, you uh, need some order imposed maybe on your prayer life, if you find it a little scattered and you're not really know what to say or how to say it and the words don't really come to you. Basically, what Be my, Thou My Vision does is every day it kind of runs you through, um, okay, here's a drawing from the Bible, drawing from church history, drawing from several different sources. It'll give you, okay, here's a uh, prayer of adoration, you know, to God written by, you know, uh, maybe one of the early church fathers or somebody from the Reformation or, you know, a great missionary. Uh, and then it'll say, okay, here is a, uh, here's a scripture of repentance uh, to read this scripture and then pray a prayer of repentance. And then it kind of, it just goes through all the different, uh, all the different kinds of prayer and kind of a, it gives you a kind of an ordered system of prayer. You know, it takes, usually it takes me about 20 or 30 minutes to kind of get through. You, you know, you, again, it's prayer. You don't, you know, it's not a new law. You know, if you use this as a help, you don't have to do everything it lays out. But it helps me because it forces me to slow down. It forces me to take my time. And it, it gives me direction in the words to use because a, a lot of times um, I'm, my brain is prone to wander. Uh, and think about anything but the thing I'm supposed to be thinking about at that particular moment. And so I, I hate to use the phrase idiot proof, but this does sometimes help, help, it helps me idiot proof my prayer life sometimes. And some days I just need that. <laughs> so there's a few resources for you um, as uh, we think about prayer. And uh, we'll dig back into, we're going to return to prayer next week when we talk about uh, praying the scriptures. So. Anyway, you guys are dismissed. Thank you.